You're listening to BetQL Daily, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. My FanDuel Sportsbook, Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth here on a Friday morning, a football Friday, and we're joined as we always are every week. At Egros, he's on the Roman guest line right now. Ed, of course, he is a sports analytic expert, analytics expert for FanDuel for more ways to win as well as Bally Sports West. You can also find his work, NBC Sports Edge, and the Power Rank with Ed Fang. Ed, before we uh, move forward here, we had a lot of great games for Week Eight. Let's go. Let's let's look, look back at last night. The uh, mm-hmm. the game came through for the Packers plus a six and a half, and um, the, the Cardinals side to me is even more interesting. They lose that game, right? They're no longer undefeated. And now Kyler Murray is banged up. What do you did your mind change on Arizona at all after last night? I know you're worried about Kyler two years in a row now. He says he's fine, but it feels like it's difficult for him to stay stay upright, fully healthy through these seasons. Well, and and sometimes I think we forget because Kyler Murray can do so many extraordinary things athletically that he is a smaller guy. And this is one of the reasons why. A lot of people, conventional wisdom suggests that you go after larger quarterbacks, not necessarily because they can see over the offensive line. I mean, I think that's silly, but there's a durability issue that I don't think we talk about enough when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks. This is one of the reasons why, as, as someone who spent a lot of time in Dallas, I always found Dak Prescott to be underrated because here is a mobile guy who, for the most part, is quite durable. Now, he may not be able to play on Sunday. We can get to that in a bit if you want, but... I do think that durability at the quarterback position is one of those things that because it's a little bit harder to quantify, we don't talk about it enough. And I think it is a bit of a shortcoming in terms of our overall quarterback power rankings. And that is certainly a concern as far as Murray is concerned. The other issue, too, with me was that I think we always were skeptical of Cliff Kingsbury as a play caller. And I think that sort of reared its ugly head once again in this game. It's not necessarily like Rodgers outplayed Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, in terms of the advanced stats, was a better quarterback last night. The problem, though, is that you're running a lot more on early downs. You're putting Kyler Murray in tougher positions. And then, of course, you had that unfortunate turnover at the end of the game uh, that still is hard to explain. And, you know, even after reading the postgame quotes, I still don't know what went on as far as uh, not turning back and looking for the football. But all of that being said, I think I think that. Uh, you know, that reared its ugly head. And then certainly the durability with Kyler Murray should be called into question. And that was enough. On the durability, I mean, there, we have more before, but when it comes to that position, just evaluating, coming out of college, we, we still, it's a guessing game. We still don't know. We all recall earlier in Matthew Stafford's career, injury prone, injury prone, can't stay healthy. And then well, he's been healthy for a very, very long time. So we don't even know if injury prone's a thing. And and then we have a big quarterback question on the Sunday night game. And we have some drastic line movement in a couple of games. Let's talk about uh, the speculation game. That's Minnesota and Dallas. Cowboys were favored by two and a half. That is completely flipped. Normally when it crosses a zero, we're talking about a pick. Um, it's one. Who really cares? It's not a big deal. Those points aren't worth much. But now we're going from two and a half to two and a half. Uh, and it sounds like it's just based on this DAC speculation, and we're kind of guessing here because we didn't see the Cowboys play last week. What, what's your take on on this line movement and this matchup? 
And the fact that a calf injury would all of a sudden sort of develop over time uh, seems odd. You figure, okay, after a bye week, everyone's supposed to get healthier, not less healthy. Uh, so that's always interesting. But, you know, you, you talk about the injury-prone question. It's always based upon a couple of data points and nothing more, right? Uh, if someone is injury-prone, like I, I heard, uh, oh, well, Dak Prescott might be injury-prone after missing most of last season. Well, he got hurt once. And it was a fluky play that so is Joe Burrow any quarterback. Yeah, yeah, just like Joe Burrow. Like, okay, he's a rookie quarterback, misses some of the season, you know, with his ACL. Now all of a sudden he's injury prone. It was one thing. And it's not exactly like that those one things that happen to individuals uh, couldn't happen to anybody. So does that mean that every single quarterback is now injury prone? I mean, Tom Brady has not completed every single season he's played. Does that make him injury prone? Probably not. I, I think we need to sort of reevaluate what that means. And sometimes I feel like when you look at, say, other sports where you're having to play many more plays, many more games, things like that, then the data is large enough to where you can actually point to someone being injury prone, you know, especially when it comes to, say, like basketball players. Yeah, you have enough data to say, OK, you should be playing more games by this point, but because of the style you play or natural brittleness and you you're injury prone. But with football, I don't know if you can ever make that kind of conclusion, barring someone who's never on the field. Ed Egros of Fandle joining us here on Becky Aldele. Ed, a game I really am interested in this week, Patriots at the Chargers. The number is now down to four. We touched six. Now it's come back down all the way to four. Chargers off the bye. Patriots off the blowout went over the Jets. I was making if the Patriots had won just one of their close games, then maybe the number would have opened somewhere like this. Now it's down to the four. Where do you see the value in this game? I like this Patriots team. Obviously, Chargers have got a great start to their season at 4-2. and two. What are you thinking here? I like this Patriots team as well. And I know it's easy to sort of knock Mac Jones because he put up all those points and helped uh, against the Jets. But I still think there is a natural ability against any NFL team that if you're hanging more than 50, then you're doing something right. Uh, especially if you're not necessarily trying to run up the score. You're still trying to run a good bit and you're still able to be successful. Of all the rookie quarterbacks at this point, I still think that Mac Jones is playing far above and beyond better than anyone else. And even though that may not be saying very much, I still think it is imperative to, to point this out to say that, look, Bill Belichick, yeah, it's not a great season so far, but given what he has to work with offensively, there's still a lot to like as far as, uh, you know, what he's been able to do, you know, especially with a, you know, a receiving core is a little bit bereft of experience, perhaps. But overall, I've been impressed with uh, his overall style of play. I'm not too concerned about going from one end of the country to the other. I know a lot of people are, are making up the whole idea. Well, L.A. really isn't a home field advantage for the Chargers. And maybe to an extent that's true. But we don't really have home field advantage in the NFL at all this season to begin with. So we can just look at this uh, as a neutral situation. And, yeah, I love Brandon Staley as far as his fourth down aggressiveness, what he's saying in press conferences, things like that. But – this offense has been anemic at times. It has been inconsistent. You would expect that from a second-year quarterback, even a really good one. So, yeah, to me, the number is just too big. And, yeah, the value may be dissipating, but it's not crossing a key number yet. Yeah, I'll take the Patriots. Uh, what are you happening with Titans and Colts? If the Titans win this game, it's early, but we can come close to calling it, taking them out two times. And if the Colts win this game – it is completely up for grabs. 
I uh, churning in my stomach earlier in the week when I realized that the Titans Bills game uh, is important in terms of tiebreaker scenarios as far as who gets the one seed in the AFC. Now, all of a sudden, because the Titans have such an easy schedule, maybe the easiest schedule remaining among division leaders, they could be the one seed in the AFC. I, I don't like all that. That that's that makes me uncomfortable, it, completely uncomfortable. And, and this may be one of those games where you have to sort of regress to the mean. And this is probably one of the reasons why I'm backing the Colts here, even though I'm not the biggest Carson Wentz fan. Um, part of the issue is just simply, okay, the Titans have been playing out of their minds, yes, but at some point this has to come back down to reality. At some point the health at wide receiver for the Titans is going to come back and be an issue, especially if you're going to be dealing in a shootout, which look, it, it hasn't been that way. The last few games, you have a couple of Titans defenders who have been generating a lot of pressures. And in that regard, that's a good thing. But at some point, those things are not sticky from one game to the next. At some point, you can't keep relying on Derrick Henry. You do have to, you know, utilize the play action game a good bit more. And to an extent that's been done, but there's just something about Ryan Tannehill's turnover-worthy throws that makes me go, at some point, this is going to fall back down to reality. And especially in a divisional game, this may be the time. Ed Egros, FanDuel, Bally Sports West. Ed, uh, a game that we've been trying to unpack the line with all week long. How about the Bucks in New Orleans against the mm -hmm. Saints? Four and a half, the number right now. The favorite is, of course, Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. But the Saints are four and two. I'm not sure. I still don't know what to make of them. They're not bad. But I also am not impressed with their offense really at all. I mean, Jameis Smith has just been blah the whole season. Uh, and Brady and the, and the Bucs continue to roll here. What do you make? Would you lay the points with the Bucs on the road in New Orleans? I'm not, actually. I'm backing New Orleans here. And I think one of the reasons why we are not comfortable uh, with saying New Orleans is a good football team or that we're comfortable with the offense, et cetera, obviously part of its reputation with Jameis Winston, I understand that. But I think part of it, too, is what they try to implement offensively. Jameis Winston is actually really good when it comes to short throws. If you look at, say, next-gen stats and how he performs on throws uh, fewer than two and a half seconds – He's actually one of the better guys doing it in football right now. And it kind of reminds you of the Drew Brees to Michael Thomas thing. But Drew Brees had the reputation and all those short throws when Michael Thomas was then able to explode after that. Well, we're comfortable watching that enough times. Reputation was good. And so the eye test passed. Here we don't have that. Instead, you have him, uh, Jameis Winston, throwing to Alvin Kamara a lot. And you think, all right, well, he's throwing to his running back. It can't be that exciting of an offense. And who are the second, third, fourth tier receivers in case Winston does need to go deep? Oh, wait, he throws a lot of picks when he goes deep. I just don't like this offense at all. Well, you still look at what they are doing and where they're taking their advantages. And I think the Saints are still pretty comfortable. Play action game is still pretty good. Giving Winston a chance to at least make something happen as far as fooling defenses are concerned. And then when you look at Tampa Bay's defense, you can attack it down the field, uh, especially if they're blitzing. That leaves space open for someone you haven't heard of from the Saints receiving core. There are enough elements for me to say that Tampa Bay could be in a tricky spot here to where the number is fine with me. I think the Saints can cover it. Ed, take us anywhere on the board that we have not discussed. Where are you going, NFL side or total? NFL side or total, as far as anything else, I am a big fan of Jacksonville covering in Seattle. 
big, big fan here. In fact, I might even take the Jaguars on the money line, which one of those deals where I hope you're not going to archive that for future purposes because uh, me backing the Jaguars against a Super Bowl winning coach, uh, I don't know. But I took him. Yeah, just say you're fading Geno Smith. That's all you got to say. Okay, thank you. All right, that's fair. I'm, <laughs> I'm fading the Seattle defense, I'm fading Geno Smith. And Pete Carroll is not putting Geno Smith in good situations. We are learning more and more that Russell Wilson is why Seattle has been relevant for so long. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as much as I love Russell Wilson, we still don't give him enough credit. And we need to because when he's not there, you are seeing significant deficiencies. And I feel like Jacksonville is going to capitalize. And the number in the Bengals-Jets game. Pretty high, right? We're talking about 10 and a half points. Before the season, this was one in favor of the Jets. The look ahead was, you know, way different than it is now. Mike White instead of Zach Wilson, that's a difference. The, the Bengals impressing us. Has the number gotten too high here? The other thing to point out, this is the third straight road game for the Bengals. Historically, whether you believe in home field or it's changed over the years, that's a bad spot for a team. Three straight road games is difficult. Do you, uh, do you think the number's gotten too high in this game? If the Bengals win 17-3, to A, I think that's a reasonable thing to think as far as one path, but then also the Bengals would be covering in that situation. And this is probably where I am, where I do feel like that despite Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase being the number one EPA tandem in terms of all quarterback wide receiver duos in football, even though that is the case, at some point because of youth, I feel like that there will be a little bit of regression to the mean. And even if that happens in this game, do you really trust Mike White to be able to hang 14, 17 points against an ambitious defense uh, that has been generating a lot of pressure in terms of uh, you know defensive line play? I think that's been one of the elements that we haven't talked enough about since, uh, as far as Cincinnati is concerned. Too busy talking about Joe Burrow, where yeah, this defense you know, generating enough pressures, you know, doing enough to limit the run. I've been impressed with that unit as well. And so they're a little more well-rounded than we give them credit for. And do you really trust a backup quarterback and a bad offense to begin with to be able to hang 10, 14 points, even if Joe Burrow is having a bad day? I don't think so. I'm still comfortable laying points. Break really good college football matchups. It feels (laughs) like it's been way too long. Uh, What are some of your favorite uh, sides or totals in college? I am so nervous about backing Texas on the money line, but I think I have to do it one more time here just because I think this is a bad matchup for Baylor. What does Texas like to do? They like to run the football. What's the one thing Baylor really can't do? It's stop the run. I think they are uh, 80 some odd in the country in terms of EPA per rush on defense, and they've played some decent running football teams but this may be the best one of the bunch up to this point and this is a great opportunity for texas to get going again michigan michigan state quick read on that uh do you, do you like the, the points with with michigan or, or the other side there yeah point differential of michigan state's been interesting there i i'm backing michigan i know they haven't done well in terms of big games but look as as soon as michigan gets good, consistent quarterback play, they're going to be one of the top programs in the country. I don't know if it's going to happen this week, but they're right on the cusp, and we need to appreciate that. Great stuff. There he goes. Ed Egros of FanDuel and Bell. We'll catch up again next week. That was Ed Egros on the Roman Guest Line. Get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Go to GetRoman.com slash BeckQL now to get $15 off your first month. That's GetRoman.com slash BeckQL. Our survivor pick for the show, and Joe and Paul will finalize their contest picks next, right here on the BeckQL Network. 
These Joes are helping you bet like a pro. It's Joe Ostrowski and Joe Giglio and Aaron Hawksworth on BetQL Daily. Presented by FanDuel Sportsbook.